Uh, Jim is a successful entrepreneur and is currently CEO of Executive Training Solutions, an executive sales and sales management training provider specializing in teaching executives and sales leaders with complex solutions. Uh, Jim is also founder and CEO of First Wave Sales and Marketing, a sales and marketing firm that provides senior level sales assistance. Uh, previously, Jim was senior VP of um, sales and marketing for the leading provider of e-marketing and e-commerce solutions to the grocery industry. So if anybody knows, e-commerce is the way to go these days. So um, hopefully you will give some insight into that also. Sure, I tried to sell it 15 years ago. Couldn't touch it. I bet. <laughs> I bet. So uh, where are my words? I like to the director of sales for technology firm also writing leading edge technology solutions. After leading the national and private brand sales efforts for a major division of Sarah Lee, uh, with key account responsibilities for Walmart, Food Lion, and Pathmark, he served as Director of Sales for Electronic Services of New News American Marketing, specializing in loyalty marketing and store value systems. Jim holds a um, BBA in Marketing and an MBA in Management and a second Master's of Science in Business Computer Information Systems from Baruch, Baruch. Baruch, okay. Baruch College in New York City. It's a well-known college, not... <laughs> Uh, he, he's also a mentor for UMass's Entrepreneur Initiative and a mentor and board member of the Valley Venture uh, Mentors. Uh, so Jim is going to be talking about why entrepreneurs fail in the sales role and what to do about it. So Jim, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, let me apologize for that really long bio. I'm going to give it our shorter version if I'm not just going to read it. So. Well, listen, what we're going to do tonight is uh, just want to go through some of the issues that we all have in sales. Um, I am a serial entrepreneur. Once I got away from the big corporate stuff, I really much more have much more fun being an entrepreneur. So I love being in and around entrepreneurs, a lot of energy and all that. So what I'd like to ask you guys to do is don't make me stand up here and preach all night. Let me uh, participate, ask questions, tell me your issues, things like that, so we can talk about them. Because everybody has different issues in sales and and things like that. I'd like to address specifically yours. My role is to really be the facilitator and uh, you know, kind of get the discussion going, talk about some of the issues that I bet you we all have. And uh, that's one commonality I have. I've been teaching sales for quite a while after being a salesperson. And what I found out is that just about everybody has the same you know, subset of some common issues. So uh, like you guys, uh, ladies and guys, and pardon me, I say guys all the time, no, no offense ladies. Um, but basically, to just feel free to, to shout out some stuff, participate. If you hear anything that's BS, call BS. I often give books away when people call me on stuff that doesn't sound real. If I can't prove it. Um, so participate. So we still good for like an hour starting now? or Okay. Okay. Just want to... Okay. Good deal. If you guys start nodding off, I'll speed it up a little bit. But uh, <laughs> so anyway, we're going to do it for an hour. And um, you know, the objective of tonight is really talk about some issues you guys have. So you can tell me, what I like to do is go through and uh, talk about the buyer's uh, uh, process they use for evaluating things, the sellers, and, and uh, whether it's a new idea, you know, something to executives in a company, getting people to invest in you, or out there actually selling it to the market. It's kind of the same process. So show kind of those, those two systems side by side, and then propose an alternative. And uh, I do run a training company, but I promise not to try to sell you any training or anything like that, so you don't have to worry about that. You can relax and uh, just hopefully enjoy yourselves. Fair enough? By the way, this is the participation part. I love it when people go, fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you. You guys are alive. Thank you. So let's get it started. 
So, um, let's see. So, why are you guys here as far as sales issues? Like, what kind of issues would you actually have? Anybody ever, I'll get it started. Anybody ever have think it overs when they talk to people? I know some of you guys are different stages of sales and some are already actively selling, some are just starting. What kind of issues do you have that you would like to solve? Well, the issue I'm having right now is I'm about to start approaching retailers with my product. Yep. And I don't know what's going to be a fair price for it. Like what, what do I sell it to them for? Okay. Because I right. imagine, let's say I get a large order from a major retailer for like 100,000 pieces, and then I get an order from a mom and pop for 100 pieces. I'm thinking maybe pricing. Yeah. Okay. Like how you can come up with that number. Excellent. Great. Thank you. What else? That's the only problem we have. We'll be out of here in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's going really. I'm a venture capital money. Yep. To make the product. Okay. So my my solutions and and things are more on the what sales issues you have. So if you turn that into a sales issue. How to convince a venture capitalist to invest in you? Maybe uh, value proposition, things With like the, that? Uh, purchase order venture capital. Help I'm me with that. What's couple, up? A couple, couple of companies uh, approached us on from New York, your town, uh, that said. Uh, You're going to blame New York on me? It's going to be a long night. They make uh, like venture capital loans on purchase orders. Right. A bona fide purchase order, they'll give you. What you're looking for to manufacture, okay. what you're looking to do for a percentage, usually. Okay, help, help me. I need you to help me convert this to a sales issue. A Is sales that, issue. Yeah. Um, if you can't make it, you can't sell it. <laughs> That's so, the whole thing. So, so basically, this is. If you have orders, right. and you're looking for short term, and you do not want to use your house as equity. Right. And so short term, uh, short term so financing issues. Short term like financing, but not my area of expertise. Can not help you. <laughs> Sorry, I mean that's the truth. Yes, sir. And I don't know if this will help, but if I get a purchase order, I think I'm taking that purchase order to a bank first of all. Mm -hmm. See what I can, I can from them. Yeah, and, and you know, great point. You know, I can, I can give you some suggestions, just not my area of expertise, so I'd probably screw it all up for you. You know, what, what I'm looking for is hey, I knocked on the door, we gave her a presentation, they said something, you know, other you. than all that. How do you sell into a, I'm sorry, how do you sell into a, how do you sell into a certain sector of the market uh, that's pretty close to everybody? Okay, there you go. That I can help you with. Getting to the correct decision makers, those type things. Right. Okay. Finding key decision makers. Key uh, holder. Somebody say key holder? Yep. That's a grocery term. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Who else? Oh. No, I what else? Okay. I have a problem that um, I brought to the uh, basic gas company. I brought right. the device that's going to save lives, should be mandated. I bring it to them, and they're like, well, it's a great idea, but uh, we're not interested in it. And ah. they're like, well, we're just, the, you know, we're just the um, selling gas. We, we're not, we don't really, right. know, we're distributing, you know, we're just, um, they fill the gas station up. You can't sue the gas supplier, in other words. You know, they're telling me this scenario is they're just a gas supplier. So when it comes to safety devices, this one's going to make their product much safer. And they just didn't do anything about it. So fair to say this, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, yeah. but um, but basically convincing people of your value proposition. Yeah. Because in that case, you know, hey, it's not my problem, not my job, man. You know, that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, so that, fair? Go to big corporations, meet presidents of ADP, meet the president of Bay State Gas. Uh-huh. I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, this is, okay. you know, you push this first phone number to your company, says, push one for carbon dioxide pollution, push two for uh, gas explosion. I mean, this system shuts it off. Mm-hmm. You're an OSHA. Yeah, I've been an OSHA, but it just seems like they're not really doing it. I go to the fire department next, somebody gives some ideas. That's why I come here, being around people with good ideas. So, Fair to say, thank you by the way. So fair to say, if I said, tell you what I'll do, let's flip a coin hundred times. Every time I win, you pay me a buck. Every time you win, you pay me two bucks. I'm going to do that all day long, right? Right. So if I was able to demonstrate value, somebody's going to be listening. By the way, I don't have my spell check board with me tonight, so if I spell stuff wrong, you can't read it. Just forgive me. So fair enough. What else? Anybody ever get think it overs in the sales process? I'm working on a uh, mass market social networking personal library website. Okay. And uh, hold on, let me adjust that. Mass or social mass market social media. What was the other personal library personal archives social networking website? Wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah, Go ahead. Really cool. I'm sorry. I just needed to digest that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna have to sell the website. It's a completely unknown. Right. And I'm gonna have to sell the website to the general public. Right. So that's going to be my first big sales uh, challenge. And so to narrow it down a little bit, so is your question like how to how to define your target market, how to narrow your target market, how sure. to reach them once you've found it, yeah. all of the above? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what time do we get out tonight? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you can pick any one of those. Right. Yeah. Okay, let me think about that for a second. Okay. Okay. Let's go with uh, that. That's kind of a little bit. Target market kind of issues. And let me think about that for a second because I, I, I had the answer right That's on the top. also defining your market, target market. Right. Yeah, all that SDP stuff, so, you know, segmentation, positioning, targeting, all that kind of stuff. But I'm trying to think of some non-academic. Um, give me a second. That'll come to me. I just I had it on the tip of my tongue. Yes, sir. Issues over adapting new technology, concerns about privacy and financial transactions. Okay. That's kind of kind of on the showing value side because if they adopt new technology, they'll if they see the value, they probably adopt it, right? And what was the other? The rest. Uh, well, the, just the concerns over privacy. Privacy. Especially issues. with social networking, you need any type of uh, mobile apps type technology. Got it. You guys are challenging me. This is great. <laughs> I'm going to really think about how to relate this to sales. The sales process. So. Privacy issues. Say that song. Give me, give me like an example of that. I'm having trouble getting my head around that. Okay. Um, so. One of the, one of the mobile apps that I'm working on is a mobile payment uh, uh, capability using cell phone, cell phone yep. uh, payment capability, similar to what what Square does, only not using dongles. Uh, scanners and credit cards. How do we overcome 
going to a merchant and saying, look, this different form of payment, this different architecture, is just as secure, actually maybe even more secure, and get them to right. adopt that new technology or try the new technology without okay. having any issue on it. Okay. To me, again, being a sales guy with a sales hat on, not an inventor, you gotta you gotta bear me you gotta cut me some slack. To me, that's still kind of showing the value. Like what makes it worth going through the hoops you gotta jump in for PCI compliance and all this kind of stuff. Fair? Right. Okay. So I think we'll cover that under showing value. And I think if not that's well, the issue yeah. might also come into um, the ability for mobile apps to track where customers or track um, their transaction history. Yeah, you know, you know, again, I, I hate to, I hate to wimp out on you, but you know, my issues are like, you know, what happens when you go to to talk to people and say, hey, I need to raise money, I need to sell something, things like that. I can help you understand the sales process. Okay. Not good on, you know, overcoming IP issues and, and things like that. But I can help you give you some ideas on the, you know, how to get the. You know how to how to talk about the product differentiations to get people to want to take the chance and, and develop and all that. So did you? Ah, there's one I can handle. Thank you. <laughs> she rescued me. That twenty I gave you earlier is paying off, right? <laughs> Cold calls. Anybody ever phone ever weigh like two thousand pounds and you got to pick it up and it's like don't really want to do that. Sound familiar? So can you give us an example? Without giving names or anything, and um, just, you've got a product to sell, and you put together basically a list of companies you want to sell to, and pick up the phone and cool. And you where do you <laughs> and you go? Hey, gosh, I can't wait to to do that. You're you're awake the night before, anticipating that you get to do that all day long the next day. Anybody have that issue? Put it in a letter. That way you don't have to talk to anybody. There you go. When I talk to you in the way in here, it's, uh, that, uh, I have a logo and a, uh, and a, uh, and a business name. And I, uh, I had it, uh, uh, like a trademark on it. Right. And it's, uh, so I was looking to just market that. I, I got the idea from back in the Hey, and I'm sorry, what, what's the sales issue? The sales is how do I sell that? Little package to a franchiser to a, to a company. I presented it to McDonald's. Okay, so you're going and you're making a presentation, yeah. and they're going, "Hey, gosh, can't wait to do that." No, <laughs> sorry, help me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's yeah. happening? What's happening in the real world when you go to do that? I'm not trying to be smart, else. Well, I I, uh, I, I just uh, came up, gave them uh, a silly uh, a photograph. Of the logo and the get, name. Get to the issue. I'm sorry. Just and, to keep us on track. And and I, my, I just sent that out to McDonald's, Burger King, and yep. Are you interested in buying this? And they I said, two of them didn't reply. And McDonald's says we're not interested. Anybody ever have anybody not get back to them? <laughs> no, I, absolutely. So how do you sell something like that? So that that's going to be that's that's in the value prop. Okay. So this is a huge issue, by the way. So not making fun of you, not ragging on you, but but this this is almost the crux of selling. Right? This is a huge part. If somebody doesn't want to part with their cash to buy your product, that's a huge hump you got to overcome. So thank you. What? 
Did you have another one, Tom? Oh, okay, sorry. I see another hand. Okay, yes, this, this might be on the showing value too, but one of my challenges right. is, uh, other than selling my idea, is to sell myself that I'm capable okay. of executing that idea to investors, you know, selling myself to investors, basically. So, demonstrating... Um, my capabilities, my... Yeah, competency, capabilities, those kind of stuff. Oops, oh, there goes a spell check. Capabilities, oh, I read right? right? That's like you, you put the I and the E and you dot between them if you're not sure which one goes before. Right. So, yeah, that's big, right? you got to go in, people got to go, hey, who is this guy? Does he really know what he's doing? So, all that type of stuff. And can you give me an example where you, where you felt like that hurt you or stopped the sales process? Something you can share, and if you don't, you can't, it's okay. Um... <coughs> Yeah, uh, getting nervous during presentations, let's say. you got to be the only person that's ever got nervous <laughs> 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 Let me rephrase that. Not, um, let's see. Um, Sorry, I forgot. Not providing uh, the correct material to the people I'm presenting to. Okay. You know, not providing the correct, um, let's say, uh, appearance. Uh -huh. Material and then appearances. Okay, Confidence. okay. Yeah, they pull a fast one. What's that? They pull a fast one. I was going for a two people meeting. Right. I had four pieces of paper. And I tried to make as much copies and just winged it. And it was embarrassing. You know? Okay. The sales were kind of convincing. And it was 50 people there. Instead of five. Yeah, kind of hard, hard to walk in a room with a bunch of people that know a bunch of stuff you don't do and stand up in the front. Oh, wait. Oh, no. <laughs> That's me. But no, I get it. Yeah. So, fair to say, not to put words in your mouth, but, but the emotional roller coaster in and around sales. Because some of it is, is the confidence and the demeanor and all that kind of stuff that goes with it to stand up in, a, in front of a room with a bunch of people you don't know, especially when they're experts in something you're not. Or, if, even worse, is they don't get what you have and you're trying to articulate it and you're going like, you can't. No, I had to say certain things, and like, what do you say? We're not a safe company. Right. So I came across, well, yeah, you're a safe company, but you can be safer. I'm a good golfer, but I can be better. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I'm a pretty good uh, salesman, but I can be better. You're a safe company. And they do offense to what I was trying to approach to them, you know? And right. I, and I so was trying to backpedal, say, well, I don't mean to offend you, but, you know, every time I call your company, it says, you ask how you're going to get killed. So I had to be stern with them, yet get the point across without being offensive. It was a sales technique that I learned in the second. So keeping the buyer okay when you tell the truth and do what's got to be done, fair? Yeah, that's fair. Excellent. Did I, uh, did I wrap that up with you? I'm sorry, I felt like I cut somebody off when I went. We're good? Okay. This is huge, by the way, and, and it's... Sure. Well, I just wanted to say, I hope you'll go into that presentation confident how to build that. Absolutely. So you can rely on yourself. Emotions. I want to talk about the emotional roller coaster in sales. Because that's huge. By the way, um, so all I really do is stand up here and ask questions for an hour, and I say, thanks, good luck, and get out of here. So now I want you guys to hold me accountable to some of this stuff, <laughs> the sales-related stuff. This is where we usually take the stick of it and put it on the wall. So I'm just laying here, you're going to have to trust me. Anything else? Make or break? Got to have it? Need to have it on there? Let me think of the common stuff I always hear. Uh, 
we do after a meeting. Ah, follow up. Follow up. Yes, you're right. Closing the deal. Closing the deal. There you go. There's a sales issue. I can tell you what. Closing the deal. What about preparation? Closing the deal. Prep. I apologize. I really want to write on that board. <laughs> you guys got to stop me. Okay, let's start with that. Well, here's what's going on. What happens is, um, let's do an exercise. Um, I want everybody to pick your partner next next to you, or find somebody to do a do an exercise with, and we're going to tell them something. Tell them a story about something. It could be your product, yourself, your company, your old job, your spouse, whatever. Do this without doing saying I, we, me, or my company. Stand up. Okay, we're gonna, you're going to tell your partner a story without saying I, I, we, or me. Come on, let's go. Stand up. You guys are going to yell at me if I don't get done. So, by the way, when they say I, we, or me, tell them to stop and sit down. Thirty seconds left. Tell me any story without saying I, we, or me. What? It's a derivative. No I, we, me, or derivative. Okay, I'm gonna let you guys off the hook. Thank you for playing. Sit down. Was that easy or hard? Tell us. Tell me about it. You want to talk about what you're doing or what's going on in your life? Yeah. But on the sales point, I know that from from experience. What you're looking to do is talk about the customer and what they're looking. Yeah, it's against human nature to start a conversation and go, oh, let me tell you something. Can you tell us something? I absolutely can. I'm horrible. <laughs> so, so he's like, can I do it? Yeah. No, no I, I can do it. I'm stuck. I'm, I'm lucky to be up here. <laughs> it is hard to do. So it's, can everybody do it? Is there something that can you do it? It's an exercise to illustrate a point. You go to networking events. People go, hey, tell me what you do, right? Anybody been there, done that? Tell me about your business. Tell me about you, like that. So, what? What's that? I, 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 yeah, I, I, it's human nature. It's okay. So, hang on to that. I want you to just don't worry about that exercise right now. Don't let it. Don't let it worry you. Let's talk about the seller system. I'm going to bring that back to haunt you. So let's think about what normally happens. Holler somebody. That's what we say down south. So in the seller system, fair to say that we do social media, we do marketing, we make phone calls, blah, 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 to generate interest, get somebody to talk to us. Fair? Okay. What's the next thing we do? Now if we're really good salespeople or we're really good entrepreneurs and trying to knock on the doors and somebody says, hey, yeah, sure, I'll talk to you, we start understanding their company, doing what I call some needs analysis. And by the way, I will give you the fact that you can slice and dice the sales cycle about a thousand different ways. I'm going to present one of them. It's not always the absolute one you've heard of, you've used before, but it's kind of what normally most salespeople do. Needs analysis, second step. Fair? Fair. Fair. I go faster when you're Thank you. Thank you. 
what's the next thing? We hear, okay, we think we know something about the company. We think we know what's going on. So let's make a what? Close. We're already in the appointment. What was that? Starts with a P. Give me a hand. Pitch. Pitch. Presentation. Absolutely. I have to say presentation since I'm a professional sales trainer. I cannot say pitch. I will get drummed out of the sales guy thing. But you're absolutely right. Took me years to stop saying that. But you're absolutely right. So what's the next thing that happens? We go in. We hear some needs. We figure out some needs. Understand what they do. We start making a presentation. Give you another hint. We start talking about our... This is F and B's. Anybody ever know, know what that stands for? Features and... Yeah. We've been drawing that in our head all our life. Anybody actually read my handwriting? If you do, God bless you. Okay. Don't you want to essentially... When you figure it meets, it, meets, it meets that person, don't you want to essentially say, well, it would be nice to have something that, that has this capability because it doesn't need that either. So, you know, is that part of your presentation? Let me just go back to and just run right my body. So, what, what I'm doing is trying to illustrate what's typical. You know, what okay. most entrepreneurs do, what okay. most salespeople do. Okay. And so, what they normally do is find out some stuff. You know, most of us have been around long enough, been beat up enough. We know to start asking questions and learn what's really going on in the company. Then we do a presentation. We show up and throw up. I mean, we talk about our uh, features and benefits. Mm -hmm. Do you have a question? Or just, just going? No, just, <laughs> okay, sorry. I thought I saw something. So, so what's the next thing? Anybody, by the way, one of the things I always hear, I didn't hear from you guys, is unpaid consulting. Anybody go in and Tell them, tell them everything about your category. You slice and dice it. Tell them all the numbers. This is up this much, and hey, you got this many people, and all that stuff. And they write you a big check. <laughs> no, <laughs> me either. Right. So what are you gonna do? That, that's where a lot of unpaid consulting comes from. I'm sorry. Tell me, tell me if I need to move out of your way. I uh, So, so then they. Uh, what happens when you make presentations? You go to the pitch. Some of you guys have already been pitched. Some of you haven't. You know, did it through paper and stuff like that so you didn't hear back. But typically when you when you go and present, you guys know your categories and your areas better than anybody. So you hear great stuff. I have not yet heard somebody go, you know, Jim, your presentation just sucked. Right? <laughs> I always hear, well, you know, all that stuff. I mean, back, you know, back when I was a sales guy before I was a trainer, it was always like, wow, you know your category because I put these charts and graphs and all this kind of stuff up, right? So you always hear good feedback. Fair? I mean, you know, you guys know your category. I bet you you know more stuff. And we do this exercise. I don't have time tonight, but we do this exercise typically and go around and count years of experience, relevant years of experience. So not necessarily what you're doing now, but how many you've got to get where you're at. And it comes up to this morning we had like eight people and it was like 250, something like that, years of experience. I mean, there's a lot of experience that you bring to the table. So they get a lot of uh, free consulting. Sounds really good. So... You're a smart entrepreneur. You know you need the check. You know you need somebody to buy into. You know you need your product rolled out. So you ABC, or you're always be what's that word? Starts with a C. That was a that was a double hint. Try for the close. Right? Can't sell. Can't get the check. Can't get somebody to invest in you unless you try to close. And so, statistically, I don't know about an entrepreneurship and inventors. But statistically, for all the salespeople I trained, before I trained them, <laughs> it was about 10%. Because we know what to do when we close the deal, right? Take the contract, take the money, whatever, and you get moving. 
So the fact that this doesn't happen often enough is the issue. What happens when they don't say, great, let's buy, I'm ready to rock and roll? They say stuff like, hey, let me think it over, great presentation, thanks for coming in, let me run it up, I'm going to run it by the board, I'm going to talk to somebody, give me a call back next week, all these kind of things. We hear all this stuff. And so what are these things, actually? Sometimes they just say, well, you know, I don't think it's right for us, don't really, uh, can't really see. What's that? Obstacles, objections. Yeah, follow-up comes next, by the way. Or soon. So what do we do? We're smart people. We got all those, hey, but you should do that, Mr. Gas Company. You know, you should be doing this because you want to save. So we handle objections. And this sounds like this. Anybody ever heard of the Ben Franklin clothes, the puppy dog clothes, your alternative of choice? All clever sales techniques, ways to, to overcome objections. Ben Franklin clothes is kind of a really logical thing, fits with my mind. It's like you draw a big T on the left side are the pros, the right side are cons, the good salesperson, good entrepreneur, list all the, uh, all the reasons why, and then you shut up and you ask the buyer, so why do you think you shouldn't buy? Why don't, why don't you think you should invest in them? And they'll go list a couple things, and you go, look, I win, 13 to 2. Fair? And then, <laughs> then what happens? They go, oh, but wait. My two is outweighs your 13 because blah, 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 and give you objections. So it's almost like tennis. You give them, you, uh, they give you an objection, you overcome it, they give you another one, all this. Pretty soon, you're kind of tired. Right? Then what happens? They give you some warm fuzzy, like, hey, why don't you shoot me some information? Why don't you send me a proposal? Why don't you follow up with an email? Why don't you check back with me next week? Blah, 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 100 more like that, fair? Then what happens? My favorite part of the sales process. Oh, by the way, before you called on them, their phone worked, right? Their email worked. Because <laughs> they were in the middle of the meeting while you flew 150,000 miles at your own cost, spent two days in a cheap hotel because you needed to be there, and then they're texting during the meeting. So their text works. No, that never happens to anybody but me, I'm sure. <laughs> they go into what I call... The chase mode. I like to call this the witness protection program. <laughs> Someday I'm going to retire, go to Montana, I'm going to find all these guys up. They're all going to owe me a beer. Is that, that follow-up? That is. That's follow-up. That's follow-up. Yeah, and I call it chase because, you know, follow-up is like, you know, hey, call me tomorrow, we'll hook up, we'll grab some coffee. Great, do it. Boom. You actually mean to do that. Chase is like what really happens in the world. Is this a fair representation of you know, I don't know your world, you know, other than what I went through as an entrepreneur. A little bit different. Mine was almost all pure sales. Is this kind of what you guys lived through? Okay. Let's take this. I'm always feeling a rivet, so I guess I should. no more. There we go. So I'll put this there so you guys can see it. Now let's talk about the buyer system. Give me an example. Although we don't buy professionally for a living, We've all been buyers. My wife and I go out to Raymore and Flanagan. Her family's coming over for Thanksgiving. We look online. We find what we're going to do. We get our budget. We find the brown leather sofa because the old one's got to go. All this stuff. And we go out there. We walk in and we say, you know what? Um, we walk in. The guy says, hey, can I help you? What do we say? Every single time. <laughs> Just looking. Why do we do that? Nice. Are you saying we're trained? <laughs> Are you? Oh, so you're like bored to death with this stuff. Seen this a thousand times? Want to help? 
No. <laughs> yeah. Where'd you go? Oh, okay. Cool. Sure. Okay. Eight, how many years ago? I don't know. I think you said 18. I was like, what were you, three? Oh, hey. Okay. I think you said 18. I was like, what? What's that? What was it saying? Buyers wanted to be what? Say it again. Help me. People love to buy, but they don't like to be sold. People love to buy, they hate to be sold, right? What do we do? Let's go in and sell Right? So I walk in there. My wife and I, we're looking at the sofa. We know how much we want to spend. We know we're going to buy it. We know we're going to buy it from Raymore and Flanagan. We say, what's that? Oh, sorry. Uh, we say, just looking, right? So fair to say buyers mislead you. Did I spell that right? Uh, right? I'm playing poker. I get two aces. I look. Am I going to go, woohoo, two aces? No, I don't want them to know, right? Because what do they do? They're going to take advantage of us. They're going to... Instead of the two thousand dollar sofa, they're gonna have us in the four thousand dollar sofa or whatever. They're gonna waste time. Yeah, they're gonna waste time, all this stuff. So fair to say that's kind of the first step in the buyer system. Here's how it looks like in the entrepreneur and the sales world. Right? You go in there and they say, Gosh Jim, I'm absolutely interested. Get in here and we gotta to talk to you. Oh that ding 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 fire bells going off when I hear that. Right? And the other side of the coin is, ah, just got out of a meeting with the CEO, we absolutely need XYZ. Uh, no, nah, we're just looking. Well, you know, I'm not sure. But they invite us in anyway, right? Why is that? Because they need to gather information. My mind starts to wander off when I get halfway through the word. I can't make it also. Feel free to tell me if I write something silly up on the board. So, right? So, we go in, we say, well, I'm just looking, but could you tell me about that? And start gathering information, right? Guess what? Over here, we're giving information. Halfway. We're doing all that unpaid consulting, very happy about it. Let me tell you what I know about my category. So, what's next? They gather information. You hear all those wonderful things. Wow, you're an expert. Gosh, thank God you're here. Can't wait. And they make a firm commitment every single time, right? How about the counter? Except for those statistically small things, or small time when they buy, they commit to absolutely nothing. Doesn't sound like though, not like that though. It sounds kind of something like this. You know what, Tom? Apples to apples, oranges to oranges, all things being equal. If I had my way, pretty soon. We're gonna. We, I hope to be doing business with you. Think, what was that? Right? That was a commit to nothing. That sounds warm and fuzzy. The amateur sales guys go back and go, "Hey, boss, we've got one. Guess what? I think we're about to get the company financed because they really liked us." Right? Sound familiar? Might only happen to me. So what's next? By the way, one of the most dangerous things out there is for, for people hearing these positive feedback things after you give your presentation is stuff like, wow, great presentation. You really know your stuff. If you have, if a salesperson, entrepreneur has a high need for approval, you're going to get killed because you're going to go, wow, thank God I knew I was brilliant. <laughs> right? And you're going to go home and go, honey, I told you I was brilliant. They told me I was brilliant. Did you get the check? Well, it's, gonna, it's coming. The guy wants to do business with me. Right? So remember, what's our last step? Remember our last step in the, in the seller system? Yeah, we chase, right? So what do they do? 
Absolutely. <laughs> and where are they hiding at? Bonus points? <laughs> Come on, you can't have fun without me. Where, where are they hiding? Behind the sofa. <laughs> what state? Montana. Yeah. <laughs> right? Does this, does this make sense? Does this kind of sound like the other side of the coin? Guess what? It coincides exactly. So when you get to stuff where um, you're trying to generate interest, they go, hey, we're interested. Right? They're trying to gather information. You're going, no problem. We're trying to make a presentation. We'll give you information. We'll do unpaid consulting. They, they, they make a commitment. And we go, great. Or they commit to nothing. I'm sorry. We try to close. They commit to nothing. We chase. They hide. That's what's going on. Keep my eye on the time. I actually am going to make it. This is a miracle if I make it. This is a two-hour presentation, by the way. So, If I don't fill in the dots sometime, you go, Jim, what the hell? <laughs> Who else going to do that? Does that make sense, though? That's kind of the state of the union today. That's what's going on in the seller's world. And by the way, this is where I challenge the audience to call BS because I give away books if you, can, if you say, hey, that doesn't really happen in the real world. So let me show you an alternative solution. By the way, is this efficient going through this process? Here's what happens. You don't know what you did right. Because anybody ever had somebody buy and go, I don't know why the heck those guys bought. Like I really thought they weren't going to buy. They were sitting there looking at their watches. They were texting. They were yawning. Kind of like you got. No, just kidding. Um, so fair. I mean, anybody had that stuff and all of a sudden they call you and go, yeah, okay, we'll put some in. Sure. Yeah. What about the other side? They're drinking the Kool-Aid, they're not the head, everything, and you're going, I absolutely got this deal, and then nothing. So you don't know what you did wrong. So how do you learn? So one thing, one thing that, that I want to talk about today is having an effective system that actually is to your advantage as an entrepreneur, as a salesperson. So here's a viable alternative that I'd like you to consider. So what's the first step? By the way, anybody remember that game? You guys are probably too young. But um, there's a game where you play it, one person on a team, they get the clue to the other person, and you have to guess the word. Anybody remember that game? Clue? Clue? Nah. That's Mr. Colonel Mustard in the conservatory with the cancer. What's that? Close. Password. Password. Thank you. You know I like you. <laughs> Password. Remember that game? What would be some of the things that the general public says about salespeople? By the way, anybody grow up and their parents go, you know, I really hope you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or a salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Sorry, I interchange entrepreneur with salespeople. That's what you guys are. I, I hate to tell you this. Door-to-door salesman. What's that? Door-to-door salesman. Door-to-door salesman. Vacuum, vacuum cleaner salesman. Encyclopedia. Amway. Anybody ever grow up hearing that? Hey, you should do that? I told my kids that yesterday. <laughs> Great dad. Don't be trenches, don't be a plumber. Sell something. Sell a car. Uh, sell real estate. Sell something. So what are those terms that we would use to describe a salesperson to the general public, not us, but professionals? Pushy. Absolutely. What else? Obnoxious. Obnoxious. <laughs> What's that? Dishonest. Dishonest. Good one word clue, by the way. Scum. 
By the way, I've been in sales, whatever, how many ever years? I don't even remember the bio. Um, long time. What's that? 29 years. 29 years, sales and marketing. But I've probably been purely selling for the last 17, 18 of that. And, um, you know, purely on the other side of the desk, selling to somebody, right? And I've met some of the finest people there are in the world. There's hardworking, they go to they go to work early, they work in networking events at night, they're doing talks at night. Oh, that's me. Uh, and, uh, but there's some really good salespeople out there. I honestly believe that. But what does the general public think? Snake oil salesman, polyester suit, greedy, shyster, blah, 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 all this crap, right? So now what happens? Remember the I, we, me exercise? And you guys are going, what the heck's Jim doing? Right? Here's what happens. You walk into the buyer's office. I love this part. You hear a pin drop. I mean, where the hell is he going with this? So, you walk into the buyer's office and you start doing what most salespeople do. Let me tell you about our company. Let me tell you about our entrepreneur's experience. Let me tell you about the team we put together. Me, 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 I, we, 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 right? Then you put that with password and people start filling in the blanks. They have these preconceived notions, tapes, all this stuff, tracks in their head. They think a certain way. What happens? There's barriers, roadblocks, and walls between you and the buyer. Make sense? There is between us when we go to Raymore and Flanagan. Oh, right? That's why that stuff happens. Because we sound like, feel like, smell like, taste like, all the other crap, all the other senses, just like every other salesperson out there. It's just a really cool thing. I like to do it. I don't want to take up my board, so I won't do it. I will do it. If you think about price, quality, and service as being ways to differentiate yourself. Everything you got, the bestest, the bestest, the fastest, the cheapest, the blah, 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 all the stuff rolls into these three areas. Some point of differentiation. So if you go down there and say, if you go in across the seat from a buyer, he's got his, his preconceived notions, and you say, hey, our company, our, our model, or whatever, comes out as the highest quality in the industry. We've totally surpassed everything, blah, 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 blah. You the first guy to ever say that? No. What about service? Service 24-7, 365. Anybody ever heard that? <laughs> Sounds just like all the other stuff. So to the buyer who hears that all day long, I was a buyer at the grocery chain when I got to headquarters, did it for a couple of years. I had about 10 presentations a week given to me every single week. So I heard buyers come in and talk about the fish on the wall. Who are you, a fisherman? All that crap that sounds exactly like I, we, me, and all that stuff. Have I heard that we're the greatest quality, we got the best service, we got 99.7 SLA. What's SLA? Service, service something. Service level agreement, right? Couldn't even remember my own acronym. Right? Everybody heard these kind of things in contracts and stuff? So what happens is, it all sounds the same, so the buyers block it out, said, I can't rely on that. What's left? Price. Fair question. Do we create our own problems sometimes by the way we present? Absolutely. So what you got to do, here's the, here's the takeaway for the night. Don't sell on features and benefits because you sound like everybody else. I don't care how good your features and benefits are. Huge takeaway right there. And by the way, typically in these presentations and stuff, go to an all-day seminar, you take away one or two really good nuggets, this is one of them. We can beat features and benefits out of the sales process, huge results. 
So, first thing we do is what we call a pattern interrupt. Interrupt, right? So we don't do anything that sounds, smells, tastes, feels like a regular old salesperson does. Because it builds the barriers and walls and allows us, or prevents us, from asking the questions and figuring out what we really need to know in the next couple of steps. Then we do something else. We do what we call a... Ah! An upfront contract. So what do I do when I walk in the room? After, I, after when I started speaking? I basically said, hey, here's my role, here's your role, here's the time, here's the objective, here's what I hope the outcome will be. Get one or two good nuggets to take away. I told you I wasn't going to try to sell you anything. Sales trainer, you guys got to be waiting for the other shoe to drop. Fair? Fair. Thank you. Fair. <laughs> it's my fuel. I need it. I need it. Pumps me up. Right? So I do an upfront contract. Let me give you a real world example. When I was a kid, I grew up poor for, uh, imagine the Beverly Hillbillies before the oil. And uh, I go to, uh, we go to this country doctor, right? And uh, I'm, this, I'm a little kid at the age of the, uh, where your teeth, you know, your, uh, your, uh, your baby teeth are falling out, right? And so it's a natural thing. You know, you're supposed to just pull it out with a string or whatever you used to do. I don't know what they do nowadays, but that's what we did in the old days. I'm 50 this year, so could have been far better. But anyway, you know, I don't have kids. So, um, so anyway, going to this country doctor that our parents bring it to, he goes, oh, Jim's got this, uh, got a loose tooth. And uh, he goes, oh, let me take a look at it. Press it by the, you know, by the mouth like that. And goes, bam, snaps that tooth out. Now, there was nothing really wrong with that. It didn't hurt me. It's what's supposed to happen. It scared the heck out of me. I didn't want to go to a dentist for like years. It took me a long time to get over that fear of not knowing what was going to happen. In contrast, my brother's kids, they go to their dentist, and it's a kid-friendly dentist. They go out there in the lobby. They have the whiteboards you can walk on or you can uh, write on and all the toys out there. and They got all the games and all this stuff. Really nice young lady comes out and says, come on, let me take you back. Let me show you what's going to happen. Here's the tongue depressor. They show them how to play with that. They go, this is a really cool x-ray machine. All it does is take a picture of your tooth. We can see whether it's healthy or not. On and on and on. And the kids are, oh, that's great. We love our dentist. They love going to the dentist. Right? That's an upfront contract. Let the buyers know what's going to happen. Don't hit them with anything. Don't make them feel uncomfortable. Does that raise the walls or does that... Lower the walls, right. So what that allows you to do is go to this all-important step. So you don't have to talk about features and benefits. Here's the key. Selling right here. Pain. <laughs> Thank you for pointing out that my... It could be pawn. <laughs> could be pear. <laughs> pear. <laughs> Used to be an apple. <laughs> you guys are fun. I like it. So, um, so pain. So let me give you an example of pain. As opposed to features and benefits selling like most salespeople do. Besides the fact that it sells like everybody else, right? So you go to the doctor. Everybody has annual checkups. And let's not talk about health care and socialized medicine. Let's just put an arbitrary value of $500 on a checkup. So you go on and get your annual checkup. By the way, when do you get your annual checkup? When you're sick or when you're healthy? Right. If you're sick, you go to the doctor when you're sick. You don't wait for your annual checkup. Fair? Fair. In two hours, I have everybody saying fair. But anyway, let's cut it down. So, so you go in there, you get your annual, uh, your physical, and you're begrudgingly writing that arbitrary $500 check just for fictitious reasons. I know we all have health care and the copay and all that kind of stuff, but to get out of those things, I would say $500. Right? 
So you get out, you get your robe on, the doctor comes in, he's got your x-ray, you're sitting up there on that cold table with, you know, trying to keep covered up and stuff. Doctor comes in, he says, well, Jim, got your x-ray? Pops it up there. You ever notice how they pop the x-ray up and it sticks every single time? Pretty sure there's a class in med school, like six months of practice for that. <laughs> never seen a mess. So anyway, so they go, go down the x-ray, he's got his back to you, you're sitting on the table, he's going... Hmm. Do you have any history of kidney disease in your family? <laughs> you know, like, what? No. 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 Right? He goes, well, I'll tell you, it's probably nothing. I see this all the time. I'm an expert. I've been doing this for 100 years. So go down the hall, see Betsy. She's going to hook you up. First thing in the morning, we're going to run some different tests and all that, and then we'll talk tomorrow afternoon. So you go, now. Do you go, let me think it over. Let me think of the value of that. Let me shop you around for price. No. No. You go from $500 to blank check, you give everything you own. <laughs> Fair? Fair. So, that's how we got to sell. So, to all these value propositions, showing value, how do you reach the target market, privacy issues, all this kind of stuff. Demo, how do you feel confident stuff? You go in there by knowing the questions to ask that's going to shine a flashlight on, help them discover their pain. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. You know? <laughs> He's an idiot. Or, I like him. I don't know. <laughs> Never make it as a stand-up comment. Does that make sense? So, and notice I said shine a flashlight on, help them discover. Because can we give somebody pain they don't have? If I don't need a car, I live in New York City before, I didn't need a car, I didn't own a car, I didn't want a car. Couldn't give me a car, I might be able to give me one, if you paid for the parking and the double the insurance and all that stuff. But for all intents and purposes, you could not give me a car, I didn't need one, didn't want one. Now I get up here, I bought a house on August 5th, closed on it, bought a car on August 6th. Is that pain? Yeah. See the difference? Does that make sense? Now, is that the same thing as showing them their need, or is it different? It's not. It, it's, it's the great question, though. Pain, as we define it, and is basically personal, compelling, and emotional. So when you're sitting in a meeting, you go, tell me a little bit about XYZ. Here's my world. I'll go, typically what happens is salespeople, when they have issues, they have one or three issues, tell me if any of these apply. If not, I can pick up my stuff and get the heck out of here. And I'm serious, too, by the way, when I say that. I go, they have pro trouble getting people in the pipeline, they have trouble closing sales, or they have trouble with pricing sessions. That's overarchingly the stuff my company solves. And if they go, yeah, you know what? We do have some issues getting people in the pipeline. That's intellectual. They're still at the intellectual level. And do people buy intellectually or emotionally? Oh. Absolutely. Right? When the, when the sofa collapses... And you're embarrassed because you got your family coming in in two weeks. Are you going to go buy a sofa or are you going to think it over? No, right. Because right, it's emotional. It's compelling. Right? So then all of a sudden I say this. Say, yeah, we do have problems getting people in the pipeline. Tell me a little bit more about that. What happens? And blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, when you hear words like, you know, I'm just frustrated. I've seen people get up in the meeting from their desk, presidents of companies, and walk out the window. You go, I walk out the window. Walk over to them. <laughs> I tell you, they get tired of me, you know? That's not a lot of They walk over the window and they're going, 
Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm just frustrated with that. When you start hearing frustrated, angry, tired of it, those kind of things, now you know you've hit emotions. So what we do is we train people how to ask questions. And by the way, remember I said don't bring your can of whoop butt into there? I have to clean it up. It's a, day. It's a family show, right? So don't bring that in there and show your expertise, features, and benefits, and all that stuff. So the way you show that, your expertise in the category, the way you get them to hitch their wagon onto your star is by the quality of questions that you ask. And they might sound like this. Don't suppose you guys are concerned with the issues of gas explosions and, and things like that. Nope, we're not. You know what? Pack up your notebook, get up and go. You've got a, you've got a lucky gift. You've got a no at day one instead of day, a no at day 89 because they weren't going to say no anyway. If they go, well, yeah, what do you mean? You know, well, I just read some statistics that a lot of companies, you know, have XYZ happening, blah, blah, blah. I don't suppose that, you know, that's something you're concerned with. Well, yeah, it is. You keep going deeper and deeper and deeper, and you relate that pain to something that's real in their world, and all of a sudden the flashlight goes off, and they go, holy cow, we got to do this. And then they don't start asking about how much. When can we get delivery? Can you do it tomorrow instead of yesterday? You know, whatever. All those kind of crazy things that happen. You don't worry about, is it the right target market? If you're pitching the right people and you understand what their pains are, you're going to know if your solution solves their pain. Now, you got a closed sale yet? No, I got all kinds of pains that need to fix them. I can't afford to fix them, right? So, what do I have to have? Got to have a budget. So, how do you figure that out? Notice, by the way, we haven't presented yet. All we're doing is asking questions. Tom, don't suppose if I could solve all those problems for you that you so kindly shared, pain A, pain B, and pain C, that were really emotionally compelling, personal? Don't suppose you guys even have a budget for that, do you? Well, no, we don't. That's not uncommon. I hear that a lot. So what do we do, Tom? Well, I guess, and all of a sudden, they start finding out what they're going to do. You put it back in their court. They got these issues, they've got to go away. If you found them. So they're either going to go say, you know what? I'd love to do this. There's nothing I can do about it. I cannot afford a new sofa. So we're going to have to put the, the bricks under. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Told you Beverly Hills, right? So, but budget when it comes to um, time, resources, because a lot of people do pilot programs and launch new ventures. But it still takes the resources, right? So budget's not only money, it's also the time. What about decision? Anybody ever made a great presentation and all of a sudden the person says, wow, we'd really like to implement that, we'd really like to back your company, we'd really like to ABC, all these kind of things, right? And then all of a sudden they go, let me just take it to the board, let me get the committee behind me, and we'll see if we can do it. So you gotta know the who, what, when, why, and how of their decisions being made. I've been to companies that said, wow, that's awesome. We really ought to roll out that software. Let me just take you to the board in St. Louis. I'll present during the teleconference board meeting next week. All things being equal, apples to apples, we'll get back with it. Witness protection program, never heard from them again. Not because I didn't call. Right? Got to know how that happens. This is what eluded me a lot of my sales life. Always read the books, always took the courses. Hey, you got to qualify. Save you lots of time, lots of money. 
when people bought that I didn't expect them to, and people didn't buy that I expected them to, I'm like, you know what, I'm not taking any chances. I'm going to call on everybody. I'm going to keep calling them and calling them and calling them until they either ball, they buy or die. Or somebody replaces them. Because that happens. I lost a sale one time. The CEO, uh, or this guy I was calling on, basically I was trying to sell him e-commerce in the grocery industry. And the guy said, hey, Jim, I like you. You've been calling me for like a year and a half, and I appreciate your tenacity. Because I was that guy. Didn't qualify. And he said, but you know what? We're never, ever, ever going to do it. And I like you. I don't want you to keep wasting your time. All right, dude. Appreciate it. Thanks. We saw each other at some trade shows, had some beers and stuff like that, kind of bonded. I said, all right, that's cool. Absolutely assured that if he ever bought, he'd pick up the phone and call me. Three months later, in supermarket news, I read XYZ chain rolls out e-commerce e with my biggest competitor. <coughs> right? Dude, what happened? Oh, man, you wouldn't believe it. My CEO went to a trade show, and he saw the CEO of XYZ chain, and they said e-commerce is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and he told me to go find somebody. Couldn't find your car, blah, 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 excuse, excuse, excuse. Sorry, dude, we're in a three-year contract. Missed like a million-dollar set for a big grocery chain. I said, never again. I will not do that. I'm going to follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up till they buy or they die. Because I didn't know how to qualify. Wasted a lot of time and effort. So now we get to the, the good step. What we call... <laughs> ah, crap. I can't, I can't spell. I'm going to call it the... The fulfillment step. It's like something about squatting down. My brain won't let me spell. <laughs> we get to what we call the fulfillment step. You guys probably know it as the presentation step. Here's why it's the fulfillment step. Because if I go, hey, through my questions, I figure out that they, they discovered that they have pain A, pain B, and pain C, my presentation no longer is the 167 power page PowerPoint slide. In fact, if you notice, when I present, I only use a PowerPoint slide. I talk about, what's your issues? Can't solve your issues, you don't want to hear from me. So I go, Pam, our solution, you told me that pain A, pain B, and pain C were pretty big issues to you. Our price ranges are in the ranges of blah, 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 and you were the final decision maker. You don't, get, you don't need any help. You can write a check today if you want it to. Fair? Right. Yep. Okay. Right. So let's do the presentation. Let me, see, let me show you which of these three are the biggest ones you want to solve. Is it A, is it B, or C? A. Thank you. So, okay, so you present A. You go, okay, here's how our solution solves A. You present, 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 say, all right, let me stop for a second. On scale 1 to 10, how happy are you, satisfied with you, that we can solve A for you? She's going to go, we're something. She's going to say 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, or 0. And whatever she says, I'm going to go, let's say a 7. Great. We need to hear, you know, i got 167 pages of PowerPoint. I can pull out and tell you everything. I don't want to do that to you. What are you, what are you missing? What do you need to see? It's going to go, oh, well, if it's got the blah, blah, blah in it, we're good to go. Great. As a matter of fact, let me go to page 164, show it to her. Here's what we do. Are you good? Yep, I'm good. I'm on a 9. Do you need to be at a 10 to buy? No, nine's fine. Great. Let's go to pain B. And you present only your solutions to the pains that they actually expressed, said they had the budget for, and said they were ready to make a decision about. When you get done, you go to the final step of our selling system, which is called the post-sell. Post-sale, here's what doesn't happen in sales. When I all of a sudden go and take a sale away from a competitor, I don't send them a congr congratulatory letter and say, hey, Bob, 
or I'm sorry, they don't send me one. Jim, great job. You took that business away from us. Good job. What they do is they get the CEO on the plane, and they get in the buyer's office and say, Pam, please talk to us. We've been doing business with you for 20 years. You know, don't you owe it. Let us at least talk to you. Okay, come on in. They come in, they go, Pam, we really value your business. Whatever we got to do to keep it, we'll do it. Need to put a person on site? Need a lower price? No problem, we'll do it. So what you got to do, when you get that sale closed, you got to take one more step and say, you know what? What are you going to do when your competitor comes in or your current supplier or your CEO says blah, blah, blah? Douglas, are you, what's going to happen? I'm worried. I don't want to, I don't want to throw you under the bus. He's going to go, well, when my current supplier comes in, they should have known to take better care of us, and they should have blah, 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 and they should have this. You okay with that? Because I don't want to leave you that on your own. No, I'm fine. I said that. What are you talking about? So now that's going to make him dig cement in the ground and say, hey, I'm on board with this. You're not going to get that phone call when you get back to the office and go, you know what? I told you we'd finance you, but uh, I'm not sure. Does this make sense? Does this make sense like a, a little bit more to your advantage? Anybody ever hear the story about the bear and, hey, why you put your tennis shoes on and you can't outrun that bear? It's an old story. I'm a horrible storyteller, by the way. <laughs> Is there a certain You're interrupting my bear story. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. So all you got to do is outrun the slowest person, right? That little bit of edge and all these little steps gives you that little bit of edge to outrun the slowest person. Go ahead. I can't believe you interrupted me right at my punchline. No. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, so is there information you get of the uh, full sale that you act on? No. You basically get all your information in the pain step. Mm -hmm. The post-sale might be, is really just prepping them for buyer's remorse, talking about how to get referrals. You know, uh, hey Douglas, after we do business for six months and you're proving that we can do everything we say, you know, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna hesitate to ask you for referrals. I hope it's okay if I do. Well, sure. You know, if you guys do what you say you do, I'll be glad to give you referrals. Boom, done. That's how you're gonna get referrals. Tell you what, I hope you know, we'd be eligible to do some other pieces of business for you too if we prove ourselves here. Absolutely. So how do I ask? Can I just go? Can I just wave my hand and go? Hey, has it been long enough? Sure, Jim, do that. Now you're talking about how to build the account profitably. You're talking about how to get referrals and get more business. You know, I write letters for my people and say, hey, is this something like you'd be willing to do for us after we prove ourselves? Hell, I'll do that right now. I mean, you know, a couple of months into business. I feel that way already. So you get referrals, you figure out how to profitably develop the account, keep your competitors from taking it away from you. The biggest thing you do is you overcome buyer's remorse. No matter who you are, when you buy and you go home and go, holy cow, I just spent $4,000 on a new bed. You're like, what was I thinking? Now, most of the time, you don't take it back. Sometimes you do. Maybe not a bit, but you know what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Did I ask you a question? So, absolutely no information other than showing you how you solve these problems. That's it. Because you already know if you can solve the problems, they got money. You already know that they're the decision maker, don't need any help, or at least you know what the process is and where it's handled. Does that make sense? So you're basically selling on, on their needs. You're, you're basically selling them on what? Selling on their needs on the customers. Close. They're, they're pain. One step farther. Personal, uh, compelling, and emotional, as opposed to just, hey, we might need this. Needs like an intellectual thing, curiosity and interest. So the thing that's pushing them away, the thing that they're uncomfortable with, maybe that they're not realizing that they're uncomfortable with, they just think about it, but they don't ever think of moving away from it. 
I don't understand the question. I'm sorry. Selling on their pain as opposed to trying to entice them to buy the care. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Moving away from the buggy. A absolutely. Absolutely. So, so our job as, as people trying to sell our ideas, whether you call yourself a salesperson or not, is to figure out, understand their world well enough, and be able to ask good enough questions and deep enough questions to get them to discover that what you do gets rid of pain in the present, pain in the future, or gives them pleasure in the present, or pleasure in the future. Those are the only four ways people ever buy. Make sense? Douglas. I was going to say that uh, I think our uniqueness and innovation will also really go a long way with helping us in our sales product. I mean, presentation rather. You know, we're going to come into companies with something you know very new and very unique. So I think that's going to give us an edge. It, it does, in my opinion, <coughs> if it solves a pain, it eliminates a pain that you've helped them discover they have. But if you come in and go, we're new, we're unique, we're better, we're stronger, we're faster, I, we, me, we're the biggest, bestest, all this kind of stuff that every other salesperson says, you're screwed. <coughs> but if you can come in and say, hey, I understand that you have these issues, and help me understand your world, is that true? Because I really don't know. And they go, well, yeah, absolutely. And then they go, is that really, do you even care? Is there really any money on the table? Heck yeah, I hear that all the time. I, hear, I say stuff like, uh, they go, uh, you know, I close 10%. I go, if you really got up to 15%, would really matter what kind of impact would that make on your business? That's huge. That would be $200 million or whatever, some big number, right? Not $200 million around here, but New York. But uh, it would be like, you know, that's an extra $100,000 a year. I don't know your world, I don't know your company, is, is that a big deal? I go, are you kidding, extra $100,000 per sales guy? That's huge. I go, so what do we do? Like, so, illustrating the pain is, is, is the trick. Not going, wow, we're new, we got something different. It's finding out what problem that new something different solves. Well, I think if one of us walked into like a sneaker store and said, hey, these things are proven to make your customers run faster and jump higher, what if so so I disagree with you with all due respect I, I would go and say Douglas don't suppose if I walked in here with a solution that could make your customers run faster than all your other competitors customers that even be of interest to you you go you kidding of course it would be really how so well first of all I would be able to advertise it as that, and people would be lining up at the door. Yeah, so what? People line up at the door. Are you kidding? Every time somebody comes in, we sell seventy-two dollars worth of merchandise. Is that a big number? I don't know your world. Yeah, that's a big number. Times all the people who come in, all of a sudden they're digging in and going, "We need you. What are you talking about? You're crazy. You don't understand." Like that. See the difference? I know I threw that at you really fast, but don't suppose something like this would be of value to you. And they go, "Well, yeah, it would be." I didn't tell them it'd be a value. They told me. People believe what they say and don't believe what you say as a salesperson. Does that make sense? It's kind of, I mean, it's a subtle difference. Suggestive. Suggestive. Hold on, I, I just want to make sure. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Like I said, I just think when new stuff hits the market, you know, people kind of look at it and be like, you know, you know what? That's new. I don't have it. I mean, one, one example, when I was a kid, I stayed home from school when I was sick. 
I used to wrap up in a blanket. Right. My favorite blue blanket. And actually, I, I put a hole. I put a hole in my blanket, so sometimes my hand would go through the blanket by accident. Right. And actually, pull it back by making the hole bigger. Right. You know, and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I'm sure everyone has a blanket they can wrap up with. Now, when this nugget thing comes out, it's so really unique. All these years we've been wrapping up in the blanket, we've been just fine. Right. But now the snuggie comes out and it has sleeves on it. You know what? Hey, I, I, so here, here's all I'm saying: is it, it's a it's a age old fallacy that we've all heard a thousand times before. Build a better master app, and the world will be past your door, right? All I'm saying is, for a, an advantage to you, all you need is a slight advantage. Is let them come to the conclusion. Don't tell them the conclusion. If you do that, it's all of a sudden their idea. They're going to dig in and go, we got to have this stuff. That's well, all I'm saying. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to discredit anything. No, no. I'm just saying, in our You're bigger world, than me. you got the floor. No. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, in our world, it's kind of different mm -hmm. than, say... In your world being what? I mean, all of us being inventors. Right. This one thing is, this whole world of us are, selling, are trying to sell paper to staples or office mm -hmm. mats. Right. You know, paper's kind of paper. But it's kind of different, you know, we all come up with this unique idea that no one else has. You know what I mean? Well, let me use, I, I do understand. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's giving you information. If you disagree, God bless you, no hard feelings. But Chris's example. Chris can go in there with one of two ways. He can go in there, everybody knows what you do. All right, I take it? Mostly. Okay, so he's got a, he's got a basically a mold on the end of the syringe that basically makes it idiot-proof to give your uh, self diabetes shots. So if Chris goes in there and says, hey, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread, you got to have it, that's one way of doing it. My hypothesis to you guys is if you go in there and say, hey, don't suppose you ever have issues with people being able to inject themselves, do you? Well, yeah, that happens all the time. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, what happens is blah, 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 blah. They're just digging their heels in going, gosh, this is a real big problem. i got to solve it. Versus Chris going in and saying, Douglas, this is a real big problem, and I know your world, you got to solve it. It's just a subtle difference that makes a huge difference over time. That, that's all I'm saying. I, I think what I'm really trying to say is that I mean, we can use this information, mm -hmm. but give some... I mean, I just, want to, I just want everyone to give some credit to your own innovation and uniqueness. Absolutely. So bring that along with you, along with this information. Sure, absolutely. I'm, I'm not saying... I'm that also, that your product is unique, it's new, it's innovative. Has, has anybody ever heard another inventor saying, my product's new, my product's unique, my product's whatever the other third thing you said? All I'm saying is... That stuff sounds like everybody else says, and by nature, 100% of all the stuff is not new, unique, and a guy have stuff. So what you guys would be advantageous to you is if you differentiate yourself from all the other people saying the exact same thing who don't actually have something better. Because what happens is buyers go, I hear this all day long. Everybody can't have and reinvented bread. So what to get yourself? To actually get them to listen and differentiate yourself and not look, smell, taste, and feel like every other person that's knocking on their door out there, let them come to the conclusion. Don't tell them how great you are. That's all I'm saying. It's to your advantage. Yes, ma'am. Hi, I'm JD. I'm a member of the uh, American Resource Network. My question, and maybe you're too young to remember this, but there was at one point Pet Rock. 
What does that affect on it? By the way, what would that extra $60,000 in one area mean to you personally? Well, geez, that might mean that I could put an extra $10,000 away towards my kid's school. I don't know, is that a big deal? Are you kidding? I love my kids. I really want to, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of the process. Does that make sense? So, so it is helping understand what their fears are, but don't go and tell them, you know, hey, most people in your situation have these, these fears. Don't know if you do or not. It's more of saying, hey, can you help me understand what kind of issues you guys are, look, are at? What are you really looking for when you go to invest in a company? Well, first of all, it's going to be this, blah, blah, blah. And then you're going to start naming it out for you. And you go, so when you say, you know, whatever, something that turns around your money in less than five years or whatever the investment criteria is that they give you, go, so don't suppose investments like this fit into that criteria? Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, they do. And so basically you're shining a light on the fact that they have an issue that you can solve. I would also stick to showing what pain you overcome for the customer right. as part of your value proposition to why they should invest. Because again, you know, you're kind of doing two pains. One is the end user right. customer and one is their pain as the investor. Both are equally important. So one way, let's say, in doing a pitch presentation is um, kind of digging into how I'm solving the, the lack or the pain right. out in the marketplace and uh, presenting that angle to them. Yeah, you would, um, so yeah, you're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because you almost have to do a presentation. Yeah, you, on have, what, to, you have to show them your idea. But what so you would present to the buyer. show them your idea. Right. Yeah. So what, so what you got to do is you go, you know what? Most salespeople go in and talk about this, this, and this. And what happens is these two get eliminated, so it talks about this. And you basically do some kind of argument like that to let them go, oh, I see how your solution solves a problem that you've shown me they have. Right. And therefore, it makes sense that they would buy it. And then, of course, you do all the research. Everything else is selling for $9.99. We could go out at equal price and make more profit. You know, show all the value problems. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Chris. Um, question. Uh, financial one here. Uh, marketing companies and sales companies that, that wish to do business with you. And some of them are looking for a six-figure number to take you on as one of their, uh, one of their clients. Is there any kind of contract performance uh, points they have to reach in order to justify these large numbers for selling the product? Uh, is there any guarantees? Is there a third? Another question. Is there a black book on who's a good marketing company, sales company, who's a bad? You know, everybody here is in one phase or another in, in the event or phase, either uh, patent pending, patents yeah. or developing it, and we're all bombarded with invent companies that want to take five, ten grand out of your pocket right. before they do anything for sure. you. And most of them are, are not very They want to get paid before they work. Sure, absolutely. So imagine that. So as an experienced salesman, is there a real is there a, a knowledge base where you can find a good sales company salesman for your particular sector? Um yeah, I think you got to get into, you know, you, you got to get into specifics in your domain because, you know, yeah, I, you know, I can hook you up with some people in the grocery world. That was my old company. That's what I did. But I'll tell you what, the second somebody said to me, guarantee and stuff like that, yeah, and say, so, you know what, here's what I can control. I'm a sales guy. I can control what happens in the sales process. And I will do that. I will guarantee it. If we put it on something I can control, like getting you in front of qualified buyers, I can control that. I can present your uh, your value proposition and the way that you teach me to present it, and you can vet me on that and make sure I got it. But what I can't control 
is the fact that you've done your homework and you understand there's a real need in the market. You under, you're priced right. You understand your competitors and understand what's offering. There's so much that I can't control as a salesperson. I never offer a guarantee. I made a ton of money doing that. That was my whole first company. You heard Karen talk about first wave sales and marketing. Is there? We do a retainer based fee, and we would. I get asked that question all the time. Is there a fee usually associated with to get the salesman into a top tier level to sit, want to make the decisions to buy? Even in the grocery market, say like uh, Big Y, Sweet Life, and the rest of them uh, to get shelf space and so forth. You got a problem? Is there? Is there? You bypass? Can you bypass all that little stuff? down at the very bottom to get to the very top. There's all kinds of companies out there. There's people that will take it on straight retainer. There's people that will stick you in their briefcase as one of 27 other things that they're selling. There's guys that will uh, that you've got to hire. you got to pay them a chunk of change to be on your staff and benefits and all that. And there's somebody all the way in the middle. So, so that would be a percentage of the net or the gross? A sales force. How would they work? What I'm saying is they work from zero to 100. Okay. Uh, there's people that do it straight commission. Okay. And it matters by what product, how long the sales cycle is, you know, how developed it is, has it ever been tried, and, you know, is anybody singing right. their phrases, or is it brand new? You know, so there's all kinds of, you know, from, from zero to what the percentage is, depends on the industry, depends on the product, all, this, all kinds of stuff that I don't even know. On the other hand, there's other salespeople like me. I would never, ever, 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 ever work for less than a big fat salary and some commission on the top side. Because I could. I could say, hey, you want to hire me? Here's what it's going to cost. Like that. But there's there's a continuum out there. How do you vet people, companies like that? Is it their, their performance in past companies they've worked for? Something they're actively working in? Is you there know, a website that you can go to say this company is representing Monsanto, Dow Jones, whatever, you know, uh, uh, a drug company or pharmaceutical company, whatever? Yeah, no. I mean, uh, the answer is no. There, there's, a, there's no website. It's you industry know. experience. That's yeah. why, you know, you, you know, that's why having somebody that has that industry experience that really knows what's going on is extremely valuable. Yeah. You know, one of the things I always recommend to entrepreneurs is I say, hey, you got the invention side, the operation side of the company. You need finance and you need sales and marketing. If you don't have experts in those three areas that you have access to, whether you're on board or not, and in your domain space, you're going to miss something. So, you know, it depends on the industry. And to my knowledge, there is no overarching database that can answer all those questions. How do you determine the markup on your product? Say if your product costs a thousand dollars, how do right. you determine what it should make? For sales staff sure. um, to install it. Got any accountants in here? Okay, so there's good. I can I can elaborate, and you won't know this. How much can I fudge? No, the answer is there's all kinds of different ways. There's uh, you know there's cost plus. There's uh, understanding your uh, fixed cost versus your variable cost, and once you get your nut cracked or your nut covered, and nut meaning your how much you need to you know you get some poker term sorry. Um, you know, but there's all kinds of different ways of doing it, um, you know, through modern accounting systems. Basically, you know, uh, I can't tell you what's the right one for your industry. What I can tell you to do is that if you get a good managerial accounting expert or a book and go, uh, you know, see what they recommend or do, there's about three main ways. And I, I can only remember like two of them. And one of them is figure out your absolute um, variable cost and you've got to charge enough over that 
depending on how many units that you sell, that's going to make up your fixed cost. So I mean, you know, it's, it's it's one of these things. If you're selling 29 cent widgets, or you're selling, you know, five million dollar or five billion dollar aircraft carriers, you know, your variable costs and your fixed costs are different. But it's about understanding where all your costs come from, mainly what's fixed, uh, you know, what's your overhead that you can't get rid of to have the company open, and then how much profit do you make off of each unit you sell, and how long does it take you to get past that break-even point? So I know that's a, a warm fuzzy. A little bit, but I mean, if you took the product and your cost and doubled it, right. you should be safe. Everything you added up, your insurance. Not, not if your, not if your costs were, you know, were more than that. You know, yeah. Well, yeah. you're gonna have something to compare it to. Yeah. His product is there's nothing to compare it to. If I'm selling a jar of relish, right. I can go out and see what other jars of relish are selling for. Right. Here, he has nothing to compare here, his product. Here's the overarching thought process when it comes to this. And by the way, this is totally not my area of expertise. I'll just tell you my thoughts as an entrepreneur. But the, the ultimate price is what somebody will pay for. Just like in real estate, right? But um, but to your point, um, you know, having nothing to compare to, then you got that's where looking at those pains helps you. Because if you can sit there and go, you know what, we walked through and I talked to some people that really understood that vertical, and they identified that my product sell solves this much pain, then I know that my price has got to be somewhere below that. Typically, you know, depending on how big this is, how big a number it is, you know, it's typically going to be something like 10%. You know, because there's the risk, is it really going to work, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, uh, if it's coffee in a grocery store that everybody knows what coffee is and yet yeah, or to work, then you don't need a 10 times return on your investment because it, it works. It's coffee, right? But if it's a unknown, unproven, no business case, no white papers, no you know business studies on them and all that, got to have a, a significant return. So. Starting with that point of pain and knowing what your value to them really is, you know what, what's the most you'll save them. You know it's going to be below that, and so now you got a ceiling. Now if you know, hey, what's my fixed cost and what's my variable cost that's going to, you know, come to this break-even point where I got to sell X amount of units before I ever start making a penny, got to be above that. You know, and then what can I get away with? You know, first guy you give it away, do a pilot, get them, get a business case, get some. Things like that. That's what we used to do in the grocery business all the time. We'd go, hey, you know, we'd talk, start with one store, try this out, blah blah blah, get it going, and then agree to be our testimonial. You know, and we put some parameters in place for that. Once you got that freebie, you got it up and running, you got proof, then you go to the ten store chain guy and say, hey, we'll do this for five hundred dollars a store. Almost give it away, but now you're making a little bit of money. Get that ten store guy. He agrees to be the case study. You go to the hundred store chain. That's how we walk a, a new company up. So anyway, last question. Fair? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you saw basically a background in the grocery market, marketplace, and then you said you went to an e-commerce type company, but they would get groceries. Yeah. Um, like Peapod. You guys have Peapod up here? You know, yeah. So I'm looking for a marketing salesperson. Uh, and about the field they're in, they're not quite the same field you're in. Uh, how successful that transition did in your case? I mean, do you find that very rare? Or yeah, I would say um, there, there's always, sorry, I'm a visual person, I love to draw. There's always this statistical um, analysis out there of salespeople that kind of, or this distribution of salespeople that kind of goes like this. This is 38%, it's kind of the average. 24% on either side, 7% on the top and bottom. These guys, you can't stop them from selling. They're just awesome. 
These guys can't do anything for them, right? I can't train them. <laughs> These people in here in the middle can be moved over. Typically, when you change industries, you move backwards, for at least the learning curve part. So basically, understanding how to recruit, you know, how to identify, recruit, develop top performers is definitely part of the training we do for the managerial level people. But it's a long answer to the question. But absolutely, people can change verticals. I've sold a bunch of different things. I've sold coffee. I've sold e-commerce systems. I've sold sales training and a bunch of other stuff. And it's all about understanding the sales cycle and understanding what's happening and how to control it. But you know, you have to have somebody that's a, a that really understands it and knows how to do that. What a wishy-washy answer, right? Anyway, sure. Your technique sounds really great if you're doing the verbal presentation. Mm -hmm. What if you're doing the written presentation? Is right. A lot of places you have to submit a written proposal. What Good would question. be the techniques for doing the written proposal as opposed to... Lead with the pain. Start talking, start identifying, um, you know, what the issues are that your solution will solve. So, um, you know, so yeah, you can't, you can't get that dialogue, that back right. and forth. So you, so you got to give some facts. Just go, hey, it's, you know, uh, did some research in this industry. In my world, when I first developed first wave sales and marketing, I said a fully loaded senior level sales guy that sells technology to grocery industries is a base pay is 125,000, fully loaded stock 2.5. Proved it. You know, basically pulled up some statistics and all this stuff said that. So, so keep in mind what we were selling up against was people paying $225,000 a year. So I, I I lowered it to, to 200,000 for argument's sake, right? It's for regionality. Okay, so then. I said, an entrepreneur who's selling technology solutions have a, has a couple of choices. He can hire that guy, he can put it in the briefcase of the guy like an ADT company that has a bunch of different solutions going around knocking on the doors. Here's what happens sometimes. And then I got some backup to that. I said, here's seven CEOs of companies that said they tried that, and they walked in, and the second they said, nah, we're not interested in that, what else you got? The guy goes, oh, I got some other stuff. Like that. So there's no overcoming objections and really really, you know, focused sales efforts. It's only, hey, if you happen to want to buy. So I, I laid out all those arguments of the, the guy that did it on straight commission, just when he got lucky, he, he, you know, he'd make a big paycheck, but he wasn't really focused on your sales. I'd lay it out on the top end. So our solution is exactly in the middle. We charge $10,000 a month up front, whether we sold or not, we get paid. And so $120,000 a year. That was my value proposition. So that was how I would position it. Here's the problems in the industry. Here's what's really going on. Here's our solution and how it helps. A focused sales, um, you know, um, effort by seasoned veterans with 30 years in the business and all the contacts and understanding the infrastructure, blah 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 blah. Half the price. Does that answer? I think so. If you have any more questions, I'm sure you'll be happy to stay for a few minutes and, and talk to you personally. But thank you very much. Yep. Thank you.